Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 138. Welcome to Positive Productivity Podcast, where we empower our audience to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success, especially in the face of adversity. Listen in as our guests reveal their stories of challenges and hurdles and how they overcame defeat and became triumphant in their endeavors. Let's get motivated and move forward with your host, Kim Sutton. Welcome back to the Positive Productivity Podcast. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and today I'm thrilled to have our guest, Diane Curran. I said that right, right? You sure did. Thank you. Awesome. Diane is a marketing and branding expert and is the wow whisperer. Welcome. I'm so glad to have you here, Diane. It is my delight. I'm I'm already having fun and we're just getting going. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Listeners, we, all my guests and I, we always have a pre-chat and I swear a lot of the time I should be recording it because just so much valuable insight comes out of these pre-chat chats. But <laughs> Diane, can you share a little bit about you with the audience, share what you do and how you got to be where you are today? Well, I would be honored to do that. And, you know, it's it's fun to think about how I got to where I am today. And I have to go all the way back to when I was in grade school, because I actually decided in the sixth grade that I was never going to have a job in advertising and marketing. Well, What kid in the sixth grade decides that? That should have been my first clue. (laughs) But what happened was that my brother had had a dream when he was, he was a few years younger than me and he had a dream about Christmas and Santa Claus. And he had this dream where he was seeing Santa's workshop and in the middle of the dream, there was a commercial. And my father and I said, what, that commercial, what was that about? He said, well, all of a sudden there was a commercial on TV and the announcer came on and said, hey, kids, get your parents to buy this truck. And then after that was over, it went back to the regular dream. I thought, oh, my gosh, advertising is really scary. It gets right in your head, even in your dream state. So that was kind of what was going on with me. But then in the sixth grade, I had a marvelous teacher. My regular sixth grade teacher was an elementary school teacher. She was also an artist and she taught me all kinds of things like how to do a portrait and a caricature, but she used to love to tell us tales about her days in New York City working for an ad agency. And, you know, by the time you get to be the sixth grade, you're kind of clever about some things, including all of us figured out that if we just asked her a couple questions about that, it would distract her for the whole afternoon. We can do art all afternoon and didn't have to study. So I learned a lot about the the, the big, bad old days of advertising in New York City. I said, oh, I'm never going to do that. And so lo and behold... I tried a bunch of other things and then found myself at the ripe old age of 22 working in New England's largest direct marketing agency. And what I discovered was that it was a wonderful, wonderful world full of amazing people who are committed to getting messages out there for important things like nonprofit organizations that were raising funds for really great causes and people who are inventing things like personal computers and all kinds of really important work. And I said, you know what? Marketing is about giving people choices. And lo and behold, 45 years later, I'm still doing it. I had never thought about marketing like that before. And I absolutely love it. (laughs) Giving people choices. 
It truly does. And to me, the best marketing gives people informed choices. It gives them emotionally clear choices and it must bring value or it's not marketing. It's stealing something from you. It's stealing your freedom and stealing your trust. So yeah. Yeah. And time, energy, and money. <laughs> and that's it. I mean, that's even something that we were talking about before we officially started this episode today is just how we're on information overload. And it's so easy to be swept up in this, that, and every other thing that's possibly going on. It truly is. You know, we, I, I, I kind of look at the 21st century as the attentions, the shrinking attention span century. And we've all kind of learned about the internet. Most of us spend probably way too much time on it every day. And that can really shift not only the way you process information, but how much of it you have to deal with. Oh, absolutely. I was shocked a couple of weeks ago to realize that my kids, and by kids, I mean my littles who are two and a half and four, knew the pin code for my phone and my husband's phone so they could actually get themselves into YouTube kids without having to be assisted, but they were just watching. So they under, even though the two and a half year olds don't necessarily know the numbers, actually I yeah. can't say that. I don't know whether or not they do. That makes me feel like a bad mom, but <laughs> they watched where our, where our fingers went. So they knew what numbers to push in and there they go, turning on whatever apps they want to getting into whatever. And so it begins. Oh my gosh. That makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Can you share more about Wow Whisper with us? Oh, well, you know how that came about was I found, you know, I, I love listening to what people have to say about their purpose in life or what's important about their business or what they want to accomplish. And that actually informs when I do work for clients. What I noticed was something that I started to realize I should pay attention to is I would be presenting uh, a campaign or a logo design or a strategy to somebody and I would do so and they would, after I got done, I'd pause, they'd say, wow. And I thought, huh, Diane, you need to pay attention to that. What does that mean? What I realized it meant was that I had gotten them, I had heard them and then I had reflected back something that felt real to them and that felt personal to them. So I began to hear that enough that I decided it was time to take it on. And I said, well, wait a minute. What does wow mean? Well, we don't even really need a definition for it, right? When you say wow, it's an experience, don't you think? I'm going to have to go through the different episodes and make a compilation of wow. (laughs) And I'm sure I've already said it. Even when you were discussing how marketing is offering choices, I think I said wow immediately after that. It comes up a lot in conversation. So I said, okay. So for me, wow, I would characterize it as spontaneous and open and kind of active and um, expansive and expressive. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. I'm not the kind of person walking down the street who everybody says, oh, my gosh, she should be on TV. She's she's always on. She's kind of like a, a big old wow personality. What I find is that I'm kind of in the other realm. And that is what I call whispering. And whispering, when we think about someone who's a whisperer, usually what they're doing is they're paying attention and they're listening. So they are receptive and they might be quiet for a bit and then they reflect back. So there's an intimate quality. And I said, you know what? 
I kind of do have those two opposites, and people keep telling me I do, so I guess that makes me the wow whisperer. I love that. That's so powerful. <laughs> you know, the first time I mentioned it to somebody, she actually burst out laughing. She says, oh, my gosh, and you're funny, too. <laughs> well, that was an unexpected benefit. I'll take it. <laughs> Kim Boudreau Smith, who was a guest in one of the earlier episodes, maybe episode 16, she and I have chatted a few times since, and she actually gave me the nickname of the silent giant. Oh, I love it. I love it. And, and my experience of you is you're anything but silent. But what I'm getting out of that is that, again, you are a great listener. I was, I was, you know, listening to some of your podcasts and I really get that. And the giant part comes from this perspective you have on life, which is so, I'm going to say open and available and ready for an adventure. So the giant is, is that, that meaning that we want to embrace. We want to say, wow, there's a lot here. Oh, I just said, wow. You did. <laughs> One of the biggest things that I've struggled with since I began the podcast, and there's a point to me saying this, is interrupting. Actually, in 2016, and I'm not one for New Year's resolutions, but in 2016, I made a resolution that I was going to significantly cut back my interruptions. Mm. But sometimes it feels like marketing, not sometimes, more often than not, marketing is about interrupting. What is your thought about that? I think that's really an experience that a lot of people have. In fact, <clears throat> I joke that I can clear a room just by telling people what I do. I'm a marketer and they're like, oh, no. So what happens is that <clears throat> marketing, like any different profession, can make a lot of mistakes. And one of the mistakes that it makes is that it wants to jump into selling, which is not the same thing as marketing, and it wants to do it before it's ever established trust, before it has listened, before it's created a rhythm of give and take, back and forth, listening and speaking. And then it is an interruption, and it, it can be quite jarring. And what that tells me is that it's not a communication that's well thought out, and seeking connection. And that's just the worst aspects of marketing. So yeah, it can interrupt. It can be known as doing that. And it goes into, uh-oh, hard sell mode. And that's always an intrusion. And, you know, intrusion isn't an always bad word. Sometimes you want to intrude on something that's not going well to shift it quickly and move it into a place where it's working. But when it's an interruption, ugh, that can really kind of put people off and make them want to run away. How many years did you say you've been in marketing? <laughs> A mere 45. So in that mere 45 years, what shifts, what big shifts have you seen happen besides social media? Have you noticed significant shifts even in that messaging? Yes. And in fact, when I started my career, I went straight into what then nobody knew what it was, direct marketing. I said, well, what, what is direct marketing? Is that like junk mail? And I said, well, that's mail marketing, and that uses a particular medium, a particular channel to deliver a message. And it was really different than what then used to be called general advertising. So general advertising is what we think of as being 
broadcast TV or the newspaper or billboards or anything where you're walking along in your life and an ad jumps out at you that you either didn't expect or didn't ask for. But it's trying to get your attention to say, hey, think about me right now because maybe when you need me, you'll want to find me and now you'll know I exist. So what direct marketing did was it turned that inside out and said, you know what, we want to give people an invitation that goes direct to them. And if we do our jobs really well, we're going to do what's called targeting. We're going to find an audience that's actually interested in what we have to say. And then we're going to connect with them, form a relationship. And over time, when they're ready, they're going to say yes. And so that was a huge shift to go from general advertising to direct marketing. And I got the opportunity to be in on the kind of Wild West pioneering days of that. But to me, what social media has kind of done is that it's really brought both of these traditional forms into a new realm, which is do it without paper and do it really in a way that is very virtual, that requires somebody to do something like turn on a computer or look at their mobile phone or take their tablet and turn it on and start poking around at what they're interested in looking at. And then they come across advertising that's both a combination of targeted and direct, but also general advertising that does things like pop up. You know, those horrible pop ups that were so common for a long time when you opened up any web pages, they made you crazy. They'd appear in your desktop. Remember how crazy they were getting? Yep. Yeah. And so what happened was some regulations had to come along and say, thou shalt not spam. You're not allowed to kind of intrude on people and send them emails that they didn't want. You have to give them a way to say no. And what the pop-up queens and kings realized was that nobody was actually clicking on them. So they stopped doing it, started doing other kinds of things. So there's a revolution always going on in how to connect with people. And we just have some new tools we haven't figured out quite how to use yet. Good old internet. You have me thinking now, actually, about podcasters and about how some podcasters have sponsors with placements, you know, pre-roll, mid-roll. Is it post-roll? I don't know. Clearly, I don't have any. (laughs) End of roll. (laughs) Yeah, but how those are interrupting. Yeah. And I never really thought about it until just now. So thank you about, do I really want that? There's other ways that I can monetize my podcast, but do I really want to interrupt an incredible conversation like this? Just to say this episode is brought to you by, I don't know. I mean, I have ad blocker up on my Chrome, so I don't (laughs) have to see things in YouTube. Mm. Unless I want to. Yeah. But I hadn't really thought about it. And to any podcasters who are listening, bravo to you if you have sponsors. I am not knocking you at all. However, this is just going to make me think about my strategy and how I want to work on it a little bit. Diane, will you share more about what you do today? So here's what I here's what I do today. So I, I jumped from good old Boston where I lived before and worked with giant companies to the West Coast. And I did that, oh gosh, 29 years ago in August. And in jumping 
in that direction. I went out on my own. I became a solopreneur before the word was even invented. And I became really what traditionally was called a consultant. And I found myself really magnetized toward other small business owners, single operators, solopreneurs, because I love their energy, the energy of creating something pretty much from nothing or from your own creativity. And then seeking to find a way to bring it to the world. And I realized a lot of folks in that circumstance didn't have the advantage of a large company background and all the elements of marketing that that gives you a chance to learn about and master and, you know, discover how to use. So I said, you know what, I want to work with those folks. So I have really become that small business focus. And in the process, I discovered something about, uh, independent business owners and entrepreneurs and solopreneurs. And that is that they're usually wearing way too many darn hats. And sometimes some of those hats get left on the back table and they don't get put on. And one of them is marketing because people feel like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to do marketing. I don't want to do it. I got into, I got into my business to serve my clients and gosh, I wish I didn't have to do it. So they're kind of in a space of how can I do it easily and simply and how can I make it fun? So that's why I decided to write my book series, which I call the Biz Book Trilogy. It's called The Marketing Deck because I realized that people just weren't doing marketing and they were doing everything they could to run away from it and it was a big missing in their business. So I wanted to give them a playful way to bring marketing forward that wouldn't be a horrible experience where they end up spending hours making a business plan, look at it at the end and say, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this, stick it in a drawer, and then they don't. And then their business suffers and then they kind of get frustrated on another level. So I said, you know, I got to give people some tools they can use quickly and easily even when I'm not here. That's incredible. I love that. Oh, wait, just a second. Okay. Or I can just edit it out. So I'm just going to, I'm going to mention that what that was, was a perfect example of a, of a phone calling spammer. I have one of those services on my phone that actually is a computerized service that can recognize spam phone calls. So what they do is after one ring, they know when to cut it off. All I have to do is I have to let it ring once though. And I haven't learned in my brand new phone that's my landline. I haven't figured out how to turn off the ringer. So my apologies for that. But it gave us a chance to talk about spamming in a whole new way, which is those telemarketers that are actually telespammers. You know, we need tools to combat them. Just like you've got ad blocker. I've got phone blocker. <laughs> okay. While I was going to edit that out for the blooper reel, I, I know that I, as well as all the listeners, our ears just perked up because we're wondering what service do you use? Oh, I love the name of this service. It's called Nomo Robo. So it's N-O-M-O-R-O-B-O. And you can look them up online and get the scoop. I have the free service version. I'm sure they have a corporate version for people who need that, that, that uh, probably is a subscription basis so they can make some money. Either that or they're just like doing this out of the goodness in their hearts and bless them if they are. But it's free and you can go on and find it. Oh my gosh, what a difference it's made in my life. That is incredible. Listeners, this Nomo Robo, that is such a fabulous name. Isn't it? <laughs> 
Nomo <laughs> Robo, and all the resources that we discuss, including links to Diane's marketing deck and her website and all of her social media links will be in the show notes, which you'll be able to find at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP138. I have to share a quick story. After my twins were born, we kept on getting telemarketing calls. It was almost as if <laughs> they knew we were home from the hospital. So let's just blow up their phone. So on one day, the phone woke up the twins. I mean, they were <sighs> brand new newborns. Oh. And it was a telemarketer. So my husband picked up the phone and answered. And I don't know if you know, but a lot of them won't hang up or they can't hang up. I don't know if it's just company policy. So he took the phone over and put it in between the screaming babies. Oh my God, that is the best. <laughs> and just left it there for like five minutes. I actually have it. I captured it for a Facebook video, but I was oh. over here rolling. I mean, I was just laughing because... I was so frustrated, I mean, especially with twins. We just get the babies to sleep. Yeah. And the phone rings. We didn't well, invite you into our into our phone line. Yeah. And, you know, I live in California, so a lot of these folks like to call at 6 a.m. Because, you know, for them, it's 9 a.m. if they're on the East Coast. And here we are, like, oh, my gosh, waking up again. So, oh, my gosh. You know, it, one of the interesting things about being in California is you get to you get to get up before dawn a lot because, you know, if you want to connect to the rest of the country. And nowadays we live in a world where, of course, you do. Um, you, you, you discover how many people don't quite get it that we're actually um, – still in the pre-dawn uh, hours <laughs> when they're up and already at work. <laughs> right. Well, your husband's, your husband sounds, oh, there's that word again. Your husband sounds like a really fun and smart guy. I mean, what a brilliant solution that was. <laughs> oh, he has an incredible sense of humor. <laughs> He's given marriage counseling to cell phone company representatives before. Because <laughs> he... He's the one that actually educated me that a lot of these people won't hang up. Unless you start cussing at them, they won't hang up. I know this is a total deviation, listeners. I'm sorry. I hope it's entertaining, though. So he started asking one of these representatives, so tell me about yourself. Are you married? What's going on? He ended up having, and he's not a counselor by any means, <laughs> but he ended up providing like an hour of marriage counseling to this lady and had her in just laughing. By the time oh my I said, gosh. no, thank you. We're not interested. <laughs> Probably made her not only her day, but her week, her month and her year. Cause that's going to be a tough job to, to, to be constantly. Imagine having a job where nobody wants to talk to you and they have no fears of that anybody's going to, you know, get mad at them if they're rude. Because most people are going to say, hey, I'm glad you told off that person. What a tough job that must be. And people who have it are either um, really good at numbing themselves out or really desperate. So, you know, I got a lot of empathy for people in really tough jobs where they're kind of required to, what do we say, interrupt, intrude, and do all that that tough stuff. They got to they gotta move on and get to their talents and get to their gifts and, and have a life where they're welcomed for their contribution. Wouldn't that be great to have that vision for everybody? Oh, absolutely. My son and I actually had a conversation about collections callers once. He says, Mom, why do they do it? And I said, well, it's very likely that a lot of them are getting collections calls themselves. 
Yeah. And this is what they have to do. And he said, yeah. you know, that's a good point. Yeah. But, you know, it, 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 it reminds us of how much of our modern life is intruded upon, interrupted upon. And, and we, as I'm just going to say consumers, that's a word that is applied to people living their personal lives. We actually have to get powerful as well about how to actually deal with these interactions in a way that doesn't diminish the quality of our lives. And so I, I recognize that, you know, I started to kind of think about it this way. The Internet has made us all marketers. Now, we may be passive marketers, but we actually are when we're on social media. We're we're putting something out, whether it's a cause or something we care about or a message or some opinions. And we sometimes find ourselves being perceived as intruding on others or offering something unwanted and unwelcome. And we have to learn how to powerfully deal with taking on that role, even though we didn't plan on it. I have to say, yes, we definitely do have to think about that role. But from the receiving end, I've noticed that People can also sometimes handle the receiving end a little bit differently. And I'm going to explain really quickly. Listeners, you may have already listened to the episode where I explained that my website had been hacked. And I'm. it was only a couple episodes before this. I'm sorry, I can't give you a number. I just don't remember right now. <laughs> but I sent out an email very early this morning to my list. No spam in the email at all. I guess, well, they opted in, so I guess it really isn't spam. But I wasn't trying to sell anything. The whole point of the email was that you need to protect yourself. Do backups and get some site security. Here's a couple of resources that you can use. And I was really surprised at how a couple people responded. Just Mm -hmm. almost arrogantly and rudely telling me never to email them again. And while I suppose you could almost go back to earlier in this conversation, how my husband put the (laughs) screaming babies (laughs) in the telemarketers calls, maybe I'm being a hypocrite here. I was thinking about the fact that I wouldn't expect if I ever sent a message like that to somebody who had emailed me, that if I'm, you know, I can't remember all these people's names. I don't even remember the people that I received in the, these emails from this morning. But you're not setting yourself up for a good relationship in the future should you ever cross paths. That is for darn sure. You know, I it, it brings to mind something that happened to me. I I feel like one of my responsibilities is to advise my clients when they're maybe putting themselves in some legal jeopardy because of something that they're wanting to do in the world of either social media or using uh, information they find or images they find online. And it's, it's a big deal because there still is such a thing as intellectual property and those rights need to be respected. But I had a client who got angry with me because I said, you know, this these images that you're looking to use that are in Google search results are not free, and you've really got to consider the requirement to either license the image or 
get to a legitimate site where you do license the image and we can't be using them. She got so mad at me. She just said, oh, well, we don't see things differently at the end. And, and that was it. And I thought, wow, I lost a client over helping her. So it's interesting to consider how our efforts can be received in a way that we didn't intend, we have no control over, and yet that really happened. And to this day, that relationship really vaporized after that. And I just hold it in the space of, you know what, she didn't want to hear it. And however I presented it, who knows what she was grappling with at that moment in some other arena of her life that I'm not privy to. So I just look at this and say, you know what, I provided some value and maybe it could land later on sometime in the future or someone else could present it a second time and it would land in a way where it resonated positively. So I just moved on and said, you know what, that was me doing my job at the moment and it just didn't feel very good at that moment. You know what I mean? I think a lot of the times, and yes, I totally do know what you mean. I, I think that sometimes clients can forget that we can be held just as liable as they can if we're using these pieces of intellectual property. It's true. Yeah. Even, it, even email lists that are purchased. Yes. As an Infusionsoft certified partner, I am not going to put in purchased email lists into a client's account because I can get fined. And similar to you, I lost a client because I told her I wouldn't do it. I mean, and she's from Canada. Diane, I'm sure you know. I mean, can spam laws are even tougher in Canada than they are here. But so I'm not going to take that upon myself and risk a multi five figure fine. Just know it. I'm going to advise you against it. Absolutely. I actually had a client start to move away from me for exactly that same reason, who was being advised by somebody else. who said, oh, no, not a problem. We can just add them a couple at a time. And I said, I'm, I'm not uh, going to skip over this or gloss over it. It makes a difference. And the service provider that you're considering using that allows that, I recommend against for exactly that reason. And the relationship ultimately ended because we had a very different philosophy and I had to walk away and say, you know what? I think I really couldn't provide something because the listening wasn't there. And this is where it kind of gets back to marketing isn't just about what you say. It's about the connection that you forge and whether that connection has vitality, but also trust. And that's why I say it's high performance communication because high performance communication has to have value in it. Or it's empty communication. Absolutely. Diane, do you use LinkedIn? I do. Do you experience often that when you add a new contact, you're put onto their mailing list? Or uh, sometimes, yeah. So what have you noticed? I've noticed that I've been added to a lot of mailing lists after I accept new contact requests on LinkedIn. And I know it's nothing that I opted in for. And I, the only reason I know that is because I have been very careful lately to limit the distractions that come into my inbox. Mm -hmm. And some of the funniest examples are, you know, buy your five-star luxury resort in Mexico or open your own cannabis shop in Colorado. You know, here's my newsletter and I'll tell you exactly how to do it. Well, I know I didn't sign up for those. 
Yeah. And it, listeners, please don't add new LinkedIn contacts to your mailing list without their permission. And not just because it's rude, in my opinion, but because you are actually diminishing the quality of your email address. I might not be sending saying that correctly, but with enough spam flags and opt-outs, you're actually hurting yourself in the long run. It's true. Yeah. You, you know, and I, <clears throat> I always use email service providers that have a strong commitment to the ethical use of, of names. And it can be a real pain sometimes because I don't, automatically add all my clients in and I don't because you know what they may not want to be on my email list I want them always to have the opportunity to opt in I already have their email I can individually email them because we have a personal relationship so that's not an issue yeah you know what I also find with LinkedIn is unfortunately sometimes when I accept a new contact I will get not a friendly hello email from them inside of LinkedIn system, but a super hard selly one that goes right into, here's what I do and here's what you can get from me. And the relationship hasn't been built yet. We're just at the very beginning hello stages. It's like saying, hello, would you marry me? And let's immediately go right now. I happen to have a justice piece here, so this will only take a minute. And you're like, excuse me? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Diane, what's your favorite method for marketing and networking? So my favorite method for networking is to do it either in person or with what I call a virtual coffee. I love to do virtual coffees because I'm a big phone fan. I love the sound of voice to voice. I think it's intimate and magnificent and fun and emotionally connected. So I literally, when I meet someone, I say, do you have time to set up a virtual coffee? And then they usually say, Ooh, that sounds interesting. What is that? And I say, it's basically going to be a one-to-one phone call. We set up the, how long we're going to speak on the phone and we just get a chance to chat freely, kind of like what you do with your podcast, meaning it's not scripted. And it is amazing what comes out of that. And you feel connected to someone. I love to network in person, because you also get the chance to see them smile, look at what's causing them to kind of frown, see what they might be noticing, or they get to know you and you get to discover what you have in common. Maybe you both like the same color and you're wearing a lot of it together. And so that's a one-to-one type of situation. Now, I've been networking forever. In fact, I, I had occasion to count up how many networking events I'd attended over the years, and I, I I stopped counting at 3,000. And I said, okay, so yeah, I like to network. And yet, every venue has a completely different way of dealing with it. I notice when I go to a networking event where people are into sort of quick, quick motion, the quick, quick rhythm, what I find myself doing is when I'm talking to someone individually and somebody else comes over and they're kind of like, oh, I don't know what to do here, I immediately turn and invite them and say, do you two know each other? And that way I connect them and it just feels so much more natural than trying to wall off your conversations and then hop to the next person. Be inclusive, be expansive, create a little mini party right there. I'm going to borrow that. I love that. Oh, but I think you for, should. Yeah, the live event. And I love virtual coffees as well. Actually, episode 112 with Dave Clare, he and I met during a virtual coffee 
that we almost canceled because we were both exhausted on our own continent. She's in Australia or New Zealand. Ah. We were only supposed to chat for a half hour and it ended up going for two hours. It was just that awesome. And then we realized we had to do a podcast episode together. <laughs> That's so great. I actually had a ritual of coffee with somebody in New Zealand the other day. And she, God bless her, was willing to get up at 4 a.m. to figure out our time zones because we're not even in the same day. <laughs> oh, wow. That was so great. Of course, I get up at 4 a.m. to talk to people in New York on the radio. So, you know, turnabout is fair play. And what's nifty is you just need to plan your sleep times a little bit more flexibly. <laughs> so I have a quick question about that. Do you have a solid sleep schedule for yourself? You probably already know the answer is no. <laughs> Here's what I mean by that. I am a card-carrying night owl. I love working late at night. But then again, my favorite Shakespearean quote is this, the day shall not be up so soon as I to try the fair adventure of tomorrow, which means I like getting up early too. So what I find is that I've got to basically manage my sleep time in four-hour increments. And the older I get, I get a minute or two wiser, and I've learned to do that such that I'm not feeling exhausted because I'm not staying up. All the time. I, I like to say this. I promise to sleep sometime during every 24-hour period. <laughs> I'm cracking up over here. <laughs> I'd probably be good friends with your twins when they were little babies and had no sleep rhythms at all except the ones that they created, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. We were just praying that a full night of sleep would come soon. <laughs> Diane, uh, I know you... Diane, we were talking a little bit before the show, and you mentioned your quick start guide, which I think would be awesome to bring up right now. Would you mind sharing about it and where listeners can find it? Ah, I've got two of them. One goes with my uh, book, The Marketing Deck, and that is basically on Amazon. So they can go and they can look under The Marketing Deck, under books, and they'll see the three books. And the quick start marketing campaigns are inside there. And there have been both books, so they can do that. But the quick start guide that I want to really make available through my website is for something a little bit different. And it has to do with time for sure. And I basically, basically, if people go on themarketingdeal.com, so the site is the deal, the book is the deck. So themarketingdeal.com, right on my front page, a little invitation will pop up to say, would you like your free quick start guides? And it's a set of three because what I did was since I'm a big maven about time and how to use how to use it well and have fun along the way and actually take care of yourself with all the things you're doing I've got three quick start guides one's about how to divvy up the 24 hours you have in every day because you don't have any more than that the next one is about how to deal with all the hats you've got to wear if you're in business and the 10 that are the ones that you've mostly got to try to figure out how to do them all and not make yourself crazy. And then the third quick start guide is one that says, okay, given that you've got 24 hours in a day and you want to grow your business, whether you're a product or a service, how might you spend your time to get the prospecting and the client acquisition accomplished without making yourself crazy? but do it in a methodical way. And you know what the best part is? Each one of these guys is only one page long and looks pretty. Oh, thank you for keeping them short and sweet for people like me. 
Yeah. And for people like me, I don't want to be reading forever and ever. I want to look at it and get it. So that's what I created for folks. Fabulous. And again, listeners, the links to Diane's quick start guides will be on the show notes, which again, you can find at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP138. Diane, it has been an absolute pleasure having you here with me today and here with the listeners. Where can listeners connect with you best online? Uh, it has been my honor and my pleasure, and we could just keep laughing forever, and that's my favorite part. So how people can reach me, go to my website, which is the marketing deal, D-E-A-L.com, or you can find me on Facebook on my business page, which is also The Marketing Deal, where I give people all kinds of tips and trends in the world of marketing, a little creative snippets of things to think about for their own world. Uh, find me under my name, Diane A. Curran, on LinkedIn. And find me on Twitter under Wow Diane A. Curran. So lots of ways to get a hold of me because, hey, isn't social media fun? It is, definitely. <laughs> I would love to know if you have a last piece of parting advice that you'd love to share with listeners. Oh, let me think about this. I actually have a couple of quick things. So this, I really want to say that life with play is always possible. And you know what? It only takes one, you, to be willing to make that so. And once you take that on, you'd be amazed at how that inner child within us can wake up and become your ally so that your inner critic isn't running the show. And you know what? Once you do that, even when the inner critic bubbles up, the inner child and the fun one that you start out in life with comes back to life. And now you've got a partnership inside yourself that makes life full of possibility. What a great way to live, huh? Hey there, this is Kim Sutton, host of the Positive Productivity Podcast. And I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and were inspired, I would love to hear your feedback. Please take a moment or two and visit the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or on my website at thekimsutton.com to leave your rating or review. I'd also like to invite you to join the Positive Productivity Book Club and to find out more about my coaching packages by visiting thekimsutton.com. Until the next episode, I hope you have a positive and productive day.